Hello and welcome to the Schooner Pod. I am Ty. I am, I guess, our backup host. I will be temporarily hosting until Bobby gets his computer online. Joining me right now, though, is the other co-host of the Schooner Pod, Jameson. Uh, Jameson, thank you for being here. And uh, how are you feeling after this just terrible loss to TCU? Yeah, it's it's tough. It's really tough. Um, like 1982 said in the chat, let's hopefully... Um, Hope that our backup performance right now without Bobby as a host will be a little bit better than the backup performance from Davis Bevel. And what do you know? What do you know? It looks like Bobby's joining us right now. Bobby, we we have not really said anything at all. Um, We just kind of introduced ourselves. Um, I'll let you go first because I feel like both of me and you had um, an experience in person at this TCU game. What was your overall first impression walking out of that stadium? um bad angry yeah Uh, really bad you know honestly just kind of shocked at what we saw that was one of the worst performances i've seen by any ou team ever um and you know really just kind of aghast uh it was you know if k-state was a reality check that we weren't going to be a national championship or college football playoff whatever like we we knew we weren't going to be there uh but that was like, we have a long way to go. Like, I don't know what this team's ceiling is at this point. Um, just, just kind of, kind of shocked, you know, in our young years of watching OU football, we haven't really seen a lot of years like this. So, uh, yeah, uh, might be time we, we get some, uh, we take a couple L's. It was the second game in a row now where from the jump, I did not feel confident in OU winning the football game tour. Even I felt a sliver of hope in that K-State game. For the most part, I didn't have any hope. TCU, the same thing. First drive to throw it out to Marvin Mims and it was an inaccurate ball. I mean, Marvin Mims fumbled, but he fumbled because Dylan Gabriel threw it a little bit too far out and he had to reach out for it and end up getting a fumble. It's just everything that could have gone wrong in this TCU game on Saturday did go wrong. And if you guys are looking for like a moratorium report where we're going to break down every little thing that we can fix as a football team going into this Texas weekend, I can't tell you. I really can't break it down because to be completely honest with you, so much went wrong. I can't dissect it. Every little thing of this game went wrong. Is there a positive you can take from this? There's not a single thing I can think of. Our kicker went one for one. Well, there you go. (laughs) What do you think about that, Ty? (laughs) Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, obviously he listens to our criticisms and is spending a little less time uh, in in the library. We'll see with midterms and uh, and more time kicking. But I I do think we ran pretty well actually. If you really go back and and watch the tapes, uh, I would I would pin some of the running issues on on sort of scheme. And then like we've constantly talked about, a lot of those runs or a lot of runs in in our new system that we have are those just open things up kind of runs or I guess exploratory plays, something like that. But yeah, this was, this is one of the worst OU losses I can think of because we were just beaten across the board in, in every aspect we were beat schematically. We were beat in terms of individual effort. We were beat in terms of individual skill we were beat in terms of any sort of measure. I'm sure you can find one or two things that we maybe did a, 
a decent job in, but we were just systematically dismantled across the field in every way. And every time we did something that sort of regained some momentum, it would just immediately get, get shut down. And I think this is one of the worst OU losses that I can think of in a long time, because every other loss like this one that I can think of has been to a really, really good team, you know, been to, uh, you know, that LSU team that is considered to be one of the best college football teams of all time back in, in 2019, or, uh, you know, going back to some of the Clemson teams, uh, you know, years mm-hmm. ago, things like that. I, I cannot think of, of a time in recent memory where we've lost to, and obviously we don't want to start disparaging yeah. TCU at this point, but I did, TCU I don't think is going to be in the Big 12 championship. They're not, you know, I don't think we lost to even Honestly. a top three team in the conference. It's yet to be seen. Who knows at yeah. this point? It's, it's a Big silly season. Wide but, open. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this was this was just a loss on every level to a team that it shouldn't have been. Obviously, we're worse than we thought. TCU is better than we thought, but uh, we should not have lost in in every way. And and we're no. going to dive into that some more. But it, there are mm-hmm. some, you know, we should have had better athletes in some respects. We should have had, a, you know, should have would have could have been in every way. But it's not to disparage TCU, but it shouldn't have looked like this against that team and i think this is completely different than case k-state i felt like wasn't that k-state was nowhere near as bad as this and maybe that was cushioned by the fact that we've just historically done terrible against them in recent memory regardless of who the coach is but yeah this this was really really well yeah no with k-state at least we're kind of in that game and our offense was at least playing too yeah like kansas state controlled us beat us you know flat out like that was a flat out defeat but this TCU game was like over uh, within three drives. So, I I mean, it, and it could have been worse. TCU put their foot off the mm-hmm. gas entirely. Absolutely. Um, it, 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 the score, even though it's 55 to 24, really did not show how bad this game was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bobby, me and you were talking about it at the game. Um, and Ty kind of hit on it. Like, this is one of the most embarrassing losses of OU's recent history. And whenever Ty was bringing up examples, you think of postseason because that's where a lot of our problems have been. You, I mean, you brought up the LSU game in, in Georgia. You bring up – I am I think you also brought up the Clemson. Think of like a Russell Athletic Bowl kind of game. That was yep. really embarrassing versus yep. a very non-talented team. But once again in the postseason, you think about Kyler Murray playing against Alabama, but at least he scrapped back a little bit. Bobby, I feel like the only thing that we could come up with was that RG3 Baylor game, but that's another really talented team. Uh, I, there's really no comparison as of recent memory in the regular season where we had a game like this where we are shut out from the beginning to the end. This is a brand new territory for us as Oklahoma fans. And dissecting as a podcast is really, really tough because I haven't been able to conceptualize um, a loss like this in my head ever. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I someone brought up uh, Texas Tech 2009 as another uh, example of a bit of a blowout in the regular season. And they weren't great, yeah. but like, no, like even then at, at that point, like that team was like on fire, the wheels had fallen off and it was just scraping through. This is a team that just started their campaign. This is a team that just started the big 12. It is unfathomable to think of a performance this bad. Um, and, you know, as a podcast, we've never had to do this. We've never had to do this before. Uh, so, you know, that's obviously stings a little bit, but you know, I, you know, that's the thing we're, we're not front runners we're not just here because OU's good we're because we love the program and that uh includes the bad parts i would say but um yeah 
really uh, just historically bad performance. This is mm-hmm. one that we're going to be referencing for years and years to come. Mm-hmm. What Ty, should we talk about the defense or the offense first? Because obviously there's a lot to go over in each side, but both of them have their absolute travesty performance. But which one do you want to talk about? First? I, I'll let you I will control. say, I will say I would, I think it, it will be best if we dive into the defense first. But before we start anything, I do want to say, I personally, I do not think that the game was lost until the third quarter. And I think it is because of the offense. I think when I went back and rewatched a lot of stuff, it was, you know, not to commit to a, a bit here or literally kick a guy while he's he's down, literally. But if there were some throws that, that were made with our starting quarterback, we would not have been down. 17 or at least the drive would have been extended and and who knows what would have occurred it was just like terrible terrible quarterback play i think really was the downfall because the defense which i think we should dive into uh right now you know was just getting exposed left and right but we have the offense still i believe schematically and player wise where when things are clicking we should have at least been in that game for a half Mm -hmm. instead of just scrapping along and well, I really, you know, the, <laughs> and, and we'll dive into, yeah. yeah. But I, th- I think it, regardless of the defense's performance, that's what I'm saying. I think, I think we could have given up 55. They, we gave up 27 in the first in the quarter, Ty. Like, what do you mean, yeah. regardless of the defense? Yeah. But we had cleaned. Like, it, I, I disagree, was, saying yeah. that we still had a chance until the third quarter. We were down. We they we given up 41 points in the first half. 41. Like what? Like, are you kidding me? There's so many things. I, here's what I want to say about the defense. And it's tough because I feel like there's just so many things that could, could have gone wrong. The tackling, atrocious. People just not making the right plays. It seems like half the time our secondary didn't even know where they were. Like, you could tell these guys didn't even know who they were covering. It, these were blown assignments to the next level. These weren't these Zach Sanchez and Jordan Thomas kind of bl- blown coverages where they just bite and just let the receiver go. They're just letting them run. You know, there's, you know, outside run from a running back or Max Duggan. They take it, and it seems like there's no one in that space. We're supposed to be playing some kind of Brent Venable zone defense, but there's guys obviously losing their assignments and not even being in the correct place. So can we blame the coaches? Because I feel like in the moment I'm saying, like, this has got to be a coach thing if it's the same thing from last week. But if they're not even in an area, coaches are not writing up plays where there is going to be a blank bald spot on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, no, like it's it's clearly just an inability to read the offense pre-snap. Um, that was the issue in that case. And it, it just happened over and over and over again. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I think maybe, maybe you got to dumb it down a little bit because what, whatever they're doing now, it just is not working at all because these, the, the players just are not executing whatsoever. Yeah. And it's, I think, I think with, if you really look at it, there certainly were, also some schematic issues but i was i was hitting on it during the game obviously i had a little bit better uh, view and I, I hope you guys dive into it a little bit more but both you guys were able to go to the game uh so i think during the game i probably had a little bit of a better view on tv because i'm getting those those hd replays and and i can look stuff up on my phone pretty easily and and see things a, a lot easier than when you're up in the nosebleeds but uh there were just so many plays like you talked about where our dude was just completely lost in the sauce, like sitting there literally in the, in the starting block still 
like doesn't even know that a play's going on, like a, what is going on. And it wasn't just one consistent guy either. There was just so many plays where our people, especially in coverage, whether it be of a linebacker that was in some sort of coverage scheme because of the play or whether it be, uh, you know, our defensive backs, there were just so many plays where guys were just completely lost. And, and like you said, it was completely different from the sort of the Buki situations or even farther back, the Zach Sanchez situations like we talk about where you have a guy, say Zach Sanchez, who's a little bit more aggressive and, and really trying to play the ball a lot. And he's just, you know, rolling the dice and, and you get burned inevitably doing that. Or a Buki guy where he's just going all out and, and sometimes gets a little too excited in, in the wrong way or or whatever else. It was just guys just literally like standing there, just like chopping and the, the receiver is 10, 15 mm-hmm. yards down the field, just blows past him, even though you watched him shift into in front of this receiver and then everyone else is playing. And there were just so many big plays by TCU where it was just clearly blown uh, assignments. And, and where the buck stops on that, I don't know. I guess if it's something that's occurring across position groups and across different players, then I I guess ultimately you do have to maybe pin that on the, on the coaches, but I just don't, I cannot comprehend how that was such a, just a a systemic failure across the board of the defense. Like it's, you don't see what we saw from this defense at this level of football ever. It was just inexplicable. The, the number of guys that just did not, they knew where to set up before the play Our pre-snap sets all looked good and we had, it seemed like schematically, not that bad of a job, like setting up schemes and then just execution was non-existent. It was, it, I, I still can't explain it after watching back the highlights and stuff. As humans, we always look for a scapegoat whenever something bad happens or failure occurs. We're always trying to find a reason or a one thing that went wrong that we can fix and, you know, fix that leak. And in all honesty with you, you know, we can say it's just the coaching or the playing. It's obviously both. It's obviously both. The coaches are not putting the players in the, a place to succeed for their skill level. They are obviously very skilled, but they're not playing well. And the players aren't doing their jobs and fitting holes and just being where they supposed to, they're supposed to be. So, like, this isn't an easy fix. Seeing this two times in a row, I mean, it's, you know, it's not a trend yet, but it's next game. If it happens again, it's a damn trend and we've got to do something to fix that. But it's not an easy fix. This is not a I'm going to make a minor adjustment next game and things are going to look better versus Texas. It's it's not that situation right now. Yeah, no, there's no way this 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 team just it, there are too many issues. This this. This team is completely just not not even remotely there yet. Um, and it's not something that you can just snap your fingers and give a speech and a couple, you know, adjustments here and there and have it all solved. It's just no. not. It's been completely ripped open. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the, I think the, the unf- defensive backs, honestly, might have to be the first step. If I'm looking that, at this from a coaching perspective – I'm looking at the defensive backs as my first fix. I understand we're coming up first Texas where our front seven or we're even playing three defensive linemen. It seems like that's the only thing we're doing nowadays. So I don't even know what their front that they're running the majority of the times. So they're three, three fives, but like maybe looking at our defensive backs first, because 
Um, they're giving up too many big plays. Running backs are running to the outside. We're not being able to make tackles to stop a long play. And as soon, and some people in the chat are talking about this right now too, if we're giving up big plays on defense, if we're giving up 60-plus yard runs, we're, we're leaving wide receivers in the slot going up the middle and nobody's even taking an eye at them. There you go. There's our um, offense right back on the field, and our offense is running hurry up. And if they fail, again, with, with Davis Bevel, we're talking about him. I don't have too much hope in what he can produce from the quarterback position. Then our defense is right back on the field again. And that's how you just get absolutely blown out. So I think our defensive backs really need to take a look in the mirror at themselves. I Woody Washington, Jane Davis absolutely played miserable games by the eye test, in my opinion, on Saturday. Um, and then whenever we continue putting backups, Trey Morrison, my God, like that non-call pass interference, just a bonehead play. I, I don't even know what he was thinking. We got bailed out. We didn't call that. He's blowing coverage as well. I, I mean, do I feel confident in any of the backup guys in the defensive back room where I'm like, oh, put him in. At least we can have a try with him, see how he does. Like no one has shown me anything so far these past two games where I can feel that Jaron Canick kind of feel that some of the fan, the fans are having that at least if we could try him at the cheetah and move Deshaun White, you know, somewhere else, maybe that's something different that could change up the pace in the defensive back room. I can't think of a guy, honestly. I think we just might have to ride with our guys and hope for the best. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's pretty Fred Bear. Um especially when you think about, you know, Bowman's injury, how if that could be a lot is a long-term thing overall, just that. Do we Every, have news on what it is exactly? I didn't get to look it up at all. It was, I believe, a, um, I think it was an MCL. I'll, I'll go find it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I know they did an MRA on the knee though. Um, so things aren't great, but yeah. You know, 1982 actually brings up a good point. What happened to all of the damn transfer uh, defensive backs? The, the yeah, like guy. we heard yeah. about all these great things like Kenai Walker and, you know, the offseason, CJ Colden and Trey Morrison and how like they're going to bring so much depth and like senior, you know, leadership um, to a team that's still trying to grasp this offense. I mean, I, I, I understand it's, the, it's two games of this stuff and we're absolutely just frantically moving around but it's not just two games it's eight quarters eight quarters mm. sometimes with two games it's the third quarter that screws you up or you blew it in the fourth quarter and then you're starting to frantically move around this is eight quarters of football where we were behind the whole time and got outplayed all eight of those quarters you don't do that at OU. and i think the problem is after that kansas state game there's tape on what went wrong how you beat this ou team and they never adjusted to fixing that they're they, they because I think they're incapable of it right now. I don't think they can just solve these problems. I don't know. The NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just five dollars on any NFL team to win and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do. Look, check this out in addition to the usual bets. Everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. To make things even sweeter, you could throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. So, what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN 
only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Yeah, I think unfortunately what we've seen, and this is not to be too too Debbie Downer, but I think unfortunately what we've seen is is a, a catastrophic failure, and I don't where the issues are because they are issues uh, like we're talking about a lot with with uh, just players and you know, not to slight anyone individually. Sometimes it's just guys don't fit in certain systems or on certain teams with, with other personalities or whatever, but our, our defensive backs, especially, and then we'll dive into the offense as well, but we're very player limited and that's not something that you can fix. And that's a, a very unfortunate situation to be in because, you know, we, we have that, that point of failure that is not going to improve and it's going to continue to be exploited and it's going to be exploited even more when we start to face again, not to slight TCU. We, we never know they're undefeated so far. They could win the big 12. They could be the best, but I think as we continue to face uh, more serious opponents, that's just going to get worse and worse for us. So it's a situation where, you know, if we were running a, uh, a bar, for example, old John from bar rescue would come in and, and shut it down, shut it down, but we can't do that. Uh, we can't shut it down. We have the rest of the schedule to play. So we're just going to have to, see where it goes. And and I think it's important to remember, you know, I think uh, Nick Saban had a six loss year, his first year at Alabama uh, stoops. I think we started out with a five loss year, his first year at OU. So uh, hope is not lost if we have to go through a, a rebuilding year. And I think, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's going to be rough, but uh, I think we're not going to lose out. Uh, certainly we will, we will win some more, but we definitely have some, issues that I think, unfortunately, especially when it comes to uh, defensive players and offensive players, but the defensive back specifically, because that's what we're talking about, uh, cannot be fixed mid-season. And, and I think hopefully there's some coaching turnover as well, especially when it comes to the defense. I know Venables hired the guy and, and he believes in him and he certainly knows more about, uh, Venables knows more about defense than I do. I'm not sure about Ted Roof, uh, but I, uh, you never know, but they, I think this season is is going to be it's going to be a rough one. Yeah, uh, if this was a bar rescue episode, it would be one of those where it's like the owner just inherited like a total mess, it like has a bunch of debt. You know, there there might be some like rot in the wood, and he's just trying his best to get things back on track. He's well intentioned. He's not one of these. It's not one of those episodes where the guy is clearly just a scumbag. So. I don't know. There, there's potential there, but it needs to get gutted. John yeah, Jackson, Ted, yeah, Ted Roof. Happy. Ted Roof is the guy's nephew that he had to hire, but the nephew is constantly just getting drunk in the back room and <laughs> screwing up orders and stuff. And and Taffer's telling him right now, like, "Hey, you're gonna have to fire this guy." <laughs> yeah, John, John Taffer is sitting in is sitting in his van right now, be like, "Oh, he's got a drunk on the back," you know, just like. <laughs> I've seen it up. <laughs> that would be similar to the Denver Broncos. I feel like Bar Rescue is a similar episode, what they're going through right now and the absolute just egregious activities happen with their coaching staff. But yeah, I think another thing we have to talk about in the defense before we go into the offense, because um, we'll have a separate episode this week, by the way, previewing the Texas game and going more into depth about that because this is a really big week for OU fans. Don't forget it. Red River rivalry is a big deal, even though we're coming off two big losses. 
it doesn't change anything. But yeah. I think we have to talk about the defensive line. And I understand we talked about the linebackers last week too, where the linebackers just seem like they're creating big holes in this defense. But the defensive line, I don't know how much it's just scheming out them, but if we're putting three people on the defensive line and running a 3-3-5, three, three, um, we're not getting enough pressure to do that. Our defensive ends, uh, Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes, they're just not fast enough to play 3-3-5. Three, three, they're, you know, they're powerful. They can get coverage sacks, but if your defensive backs aren't covering well enough, uh, we need to add an extra person on that line. We need to add a little bit more speed on the end. I understand R. Mason Thomas getting a hamstring injury. That's pretty considerable um, from what it seems like with him be- sitting out. Uh, you know that, that does handicap you a little bit, but we need to be trying a little bit something different in terms of pressure because these deep, I mean, these offenses are just picking us apart. Um, I understand it goes from the top down. Um, and if Duggan's going back and throwing the ball within two seconds, there's nothing the defensive line can do, but we at least need to try something different because whatever we're doing scheme wise, isn't working. Yeah. Um, I, I think the D line, you know, I, we said this a couple times on, uh, earlier episodes when we were doing well, we we're like, Oh, I can't believe the D line looks this good. We thought they'd be a major weakness and they are a major weakness. Um, Obviously, they lost a ton of guys. We, if if Lincoln just stayed, for example, that still would have been an issue. That still would have been a massive weak point. And clearly, we just don't have the guys um, right now. There, I feel like there are a lot of positions where it's like we still have talent. We should shouldn't be bullied like this against TCU. I feel like the D line just is just not not there right now. Especially just um, you know with a couple especially injuries, especially the pass scribbling. rush. The pass mm-hmm. rush is just non-existent. He's, I mean, Duggan has all day back there, had all day back there. And this was the case with, I mean, this was the case with Martinez as well. They just, just no pressure whatsoever. It's unreal. Unreal. Yeah. And I, I do want to say, I, I feel like it, maybe I'm taking a slightly different stance on this than you guys, but I feel like watching the game and then maybe it was some confirmation bias when I went back and, and rewatched some highlights, but I felt like while I was watching the game, that the issue when it came to our front was a, a schematic one. And it was, we were just putting the guys in a bad situation to begin with only putting really three out there. And I think that when I looked at that, that was something that I was like, okay, that's a coaching, that's a schematic thing that we're just straight up getting beat because I liked it. They were putting in effort and, and they were creating situations with just three guys where if there was a better scheme, those situations that they were, those conditions that they were setting would have been conducive to getting more pressure, getting sacks or or blowing up plays in the backfield. But it was just one of those, you know, we were out there setting the conditions and then not exploiting them basically through our, through our scheme because people were out doing other things. And maybe it is something that we need to uh, adjust to. Again, this is a, a more coaching heavy than a player heavy thing is, like we said, everyone had this D line identified as a potential weakness. Maybe it's something that we sort of, like we talked about previous episodes, that triage, we devoted a lot of, of uh, resource and time. And then also scheme into saying, Hey, let's not put these guys in, in a situation, but then we end up relying more on, on someone else. And, and now we're in a situation where we have a ton of fires and, you know, you put the hose on one fire and the second you turn away from the other one, that fire flares up. And I think that's sort of the situation that we saw here was uh, we're just sort of caught in between. And there's so many things going wrong uh, defensively, especially that uh, it's just really hard to, to point to. And that's, I think that's the story of this defense is, is the defense 
everything is on fire. Everything is broken down ever from, from coaching to, uh, well, we don't know about development yet, but schemes to just schemes and formations, I would say is the same. And then just individual execution on every play and then depth of talent. There's just, everything is going wrong on the defensive side. And as, as we sort of start to dive into the offensive side, which I feel like we're doing right now, yeah, uh, I think, I think the offensive side, I think there's only one fire uh, to be put out. I don't think, I agree. I think the offense on is, it's all there. It's all there on a lot of levels. And uh, just, I think there is one point of failure. It's not an individual, but there is one sort of point of failure, position group of failure that is leading to all these issues. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think the offense, I think our running back room played decently in this game. Obviously, Javante Barnes um, had a pretty good stat line. Um, didn't really pass too much the eye test of his play, but he still made a couple of good plays. I think Eric Gray did the same old Eric Gray kind of stuff. Um, but the big thing, obviously, that people are going to talk about with us offense is it starts with the quarterback. And that's what all offenses in all of football. If you do not have a quarterback, a leader that can create a functional offense that everyone's going to be broken around you. Um, we saw early in the first quarter and a half before Dylan Gabriel got hurt. Uh, Jeff Levy was doing the same old stuff. He was calling plays for Dylan Gabriel and Dylan Gabriel was scripting his passes. He was looking his receivers into the eye and he was missing throws. He was not accurate at all. It once again showed, like we said on the last episode, something that I was worried about is how much is this just Jeff Levy micro manipulating the whole offense and not letting his players go out and make plays. And I thought that he should let, you know, Dylan Gabriel go out and do those things. But I think we saw against this game again, maybe he's just not capable of doing that. Maybe he's just a generic average quarterback. And Jeff Levy has to micro manipulate everything to make sure we have something competent. Now, coming in with a backup quarterback, probably in Davis Bevel. Uh, and if he does really bad, who knows? It could be booty time. I feel a little bit better about the Levy offense because we need more micro manipulation of the scheme of letting these inexperienced guys who don't have as many snaps under their belt to get the ball to the right skill position players. I don't trust them, you know, as much as a guy like Dylan Gabriel to go out and make a play. Um, But Jeff Levy and the way he is scripting this offense to a T is not going to be a long standing goal for OU to be a high end offense in college football in years to come, because that's just not how you win. You need, you need players to go out there and make plays and he's not letting them do it. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, I, I think, I think Gabriel was just really, really not good at all. Even before the in, in, injury, um, overthrowing guys, mechanics completely off, um, not making the right reads. It, it just, it's not, not great, but like, this is a quarterback room that, you know, essentially had to be cobbled together last minute with a bunch of scraps and some paper. So I don't know. Um, it's obviously not ideal. Gabriel clearly is the better guy, though. Like, Bevel didn't show yeah. me anything that made me feel comfortable with him. We looked so stagnant. I didn't yeah. feel confident that anything could happen with Bevel back there. It was just like, yeah, this is just, this is, this is not going to happen. So I- I'm just going to say, if, if they think Bevel's better than Booty, there's no way Booty's actually that good, like good enough to like be anything mm-hmm. more than a third stringer. Um, at that point, you got to look at, you know, maybe get weird with it, completely change the offense and put in Micah Bowens, maybe. I don't know, like get, 
Nick Evers is too young. Don't even talk about him yet. Um, I but I, I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 pretty it's pretty close to panic time. And this is something we thought about all off season long. It's like if Gabriel goes down, we're screwed uh, offensively. And uh, you know, I I don't think Gabriel is like this insanely great quarterback or anything. But he's definitely the only one I think that's competent enough to operate this offense um, at least at least at a high level. Um, because again, he's not great, but he's better than what we have on the bench by far. I so I, I actually disagree with with you guys. I think Dylan Gabriel is clearly inept. I think he has the will to be there, but he does not have the skill uh, to operate in this offense. And I do think, to some extent, he maybe is being micromanaged by uh, Jeff Levy. And I think, from what I've seen from him, that needs to occur uh, when it comes to. Bevel, I think what we saw here, I don't necessarily know. I, I would, I'm excited. I, I hope I get to see him. I, I guess I don't know. Nobody knows our, our quarterback situation for the upcoming week, or maybe I'm just behind the curve here. But when I saw Bevel, what I saw was not incompetence. Like I believe I'm seeing in Dylan Gabriel. I don't think Dylan Gabriel is bad. He's just, eh, and he's not what we need in this offense. Um, and I think what I saw from Bevel, I didn't, nobody got a chance to see whether he was good or not because he just seemed overwhelmed. It seemed every every single play where he wasn't handing it off, it was a sort of deer in headlights situation. He was keeping his eyes, you know, downfield and, and where they needed to be in a lot of cases, but he wasn't maintaining his situational awareness. There was a lot of plays where, uh, you know, as the pocket collapsed around him, he sort of had the the lead feet or is his feet in, in concrete buckets. Like he was not dropping like he should have been. I think in one of his very first plays, maybe even his very first pass attempt uh, was a situation like that, where had he just taken, he, he took it from the gun, but had he just taken two steps of, of dropping back, he would have been able to extend the play by at least two, three seconds. Uh, and, and Bevel just struck me as a guy that was in not prepared to go in when he did it. It was just sort of, overwhelmed. So I, I don't think we really got to see his skill or what he can do. I think if he clears up some stuff mentally and, and comes in a little bit more prepared, whether he was scared of, of getting hit at, at that level or, or what, because obviously, especially as a quarterback, when you're wearing a, uh, a blue Jersey at, at a lot of the practices, um, it's a whole nother animal. When you got those defenders coming out there, they've already taken out the, the first string quarterback and, and you uh, are now going in. And I think that's also why I would have liked to have seen General Booty in this game. Because I think even if General Booty doesn't practice as well as Davis Bevel, he might come in and be completely unfazed. He might come in and, and mentally be locked in. I'm not sure if, if anyone saw this or, or you guys are sort of agreeing with with uh, what I'm I'm saying. But I, I think, yeah, obviously Dylan Gabriel is maybe our best option. But I think when it comes to Bevel versus Booty, I, I don't think you you can't know until you put him in into a game. And and what we saw from Bevel, mm. I don't think was any sort of skill issue. It was he was he was very overwhelmed and and unprepared to be there. And I think that Booty, if he is maybe a worse quarterback in terms of his skill, I, I don't I can't think of the last time I saw a starting power five quarterback that is as inaccurate as Dylan Gabriel is in the situations that he's like he's just all the time in the world, completely unpressured cannot get it near someone. So I think maybe general booty, this might be some severe, you know, mental gymnastics, but general booty, if he's just slightly less overwhelmed than bevel might actually be our, our best situation. 
Uh, Bevel was awful, dude. He, he I, I, and no, not he like that, was, but, he's, but it was. He's been, he's been in experiences where he's had to come in and try to save games before. This isn't like something new he's had to experience. No, he that was not saying he was QBR. Good, yeah. He's, I, I, I don't know. I am, uh, he's I am seven, just, seven for 16, same as Dylan Gabriel. I, I will say this, though. I feel like that Levy wasn't setting him up for too much success with his play calling. I feel like everything was very like conservative, and he, they weren't letting him really sling it. But what we've seen so far from Bevel isn't you know sexy or attractive at all um, for a quarterback play. But I will give him this. I understand from what I see with my eyes so far, I haven't liked it. Um, but he's only been coming in in blowouts in the Nebraska third quarter, and then – when an unexpected injury happens in the second quarter in terms of starting this game in Texas, I don't think there should be any argument on Twitter on any other media platform that there should be another quarterback starting over Bevel. He hasn't started a game for us yet. We deserve to give him that chance since he won the backup quarterback job um, to where we can scheme around him and give him a good play um, playbook for this game on Saturday. That's suited for him rather than for Dylan Gabriel and see how he does. But his leash is going to be extremely tight on Saturday. It's not going to be surprising at all if he goes out there for a quarter, a quarter and a half, and puts up a goose egg, um, and we're not scoring any points, or we just have kicked some field goals, I wouldn't be surprised to see a general booty after that. And general booty's pro- leash will probably be even tighter. I would not be even surprised if we go three quarterbacks. Bring me back to, you know, Bedlam in 2014. Um <laughs> Like it's, we could just be running through quarterbacks and just seeing what works because you can't just lay down on your back in a Texas game and die and just keep on doing the same thing over and over again. We're going to keep on trying things and hopefully we can pull something out. Yeah. And I I will say, I do think the game plan uh, mindset is good because, you know, let's be honest. uh, Davis Bevel is a six, five stiff who can't run. Um, and, uh, the running game is obviously something that is crucial in Jeff Levy's offense. And yeah, no, they're going to have to, they're going to have to scheme, scheme around that. If, if Gabriel can't play, which I don't think he will be able to Jameson. And I, I know you, uh, concussions yeah. have been a pretty hot topic around the NFL. We've seen some mm-hmm. really rough ones and I don't know. It's, it's one of those things yeah. you really don't know until you see it. Let me like talk about up, that up close because because I feel like the whole Tua Tagovailoa thing is a huge thing right now in terms of talking about concussion and returning to play with it. Essentially, how it goes with concussion protocol and returning to play, um, it typically should take you five days at the absolute least. Some people really can push it four days if you're doing like the the nationally adopted heads up return to play protocol. Um, the big thing with Tua is his injury happened on a Sunday and then they had that Thursday night game. So most likely if he did suffer a concussion in that first game a week, a week and a half ago or a week ago from today, um, he's coming back too fast. Um, and if you come back too fast from concussions and you get hit again, really hard, there's a chance like you could have extreme swelling in your brain and have like life threatening issues. So Dylan Gabriel's, he's going to have seven days. So technically if he's able to become symptom free and get back where if they're doing like cognitive test in the meantime to see where his baseline is and he starts the five day concussion protocol on Tuesday or Monday, what I guess it would be, um, he could return for this game. But there is no like you typically see hamstrings take one to two weeks and we're not going to probably see him. Every single concussion is different. We do not know how Dylan Gabriel reacts to concussions. So there is a chance we could see him to play on Saturday. 
Um, I understand everyone is really down and out um, because it was an ugly looking thing. He was down on the field for a long time. Um, but in all honesty, we can't rule him out yet because every single player has a different reaction, um, you know, somatically to concussions. Yeah, and apparently Britt uh, uh, Brit Vittables did note that he was feeling better uh, today. Um, and but yeah, and okay, it, it was a, it, but yeah, that doesn't matter. So, so hopefully he's at practice. And, Take and here, off. and we have some people in the chat, and I've seen this also um, talking through like Twitter and everything. Cause they're saying like Dylan Gabriel should not play on Saturday, no matter what. I even saw kind of Bobby talking about Tua should retire and all of this stuff. Let, let's let's pump some brakes on this real quick. I'm let's let's I pump do, some brakes. So, I do okay, okay, that, okay. The Tua should re- retire take was more like if that happened to me, I would just call it good. So I was yeah. saying like that was more of a personal thing rather than an actual, uh, you know, medical advice of which I have none. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the thing is, the thing is concussions. There is actually not like an overall, like reason people should just not come back to play after a certain amount of concussions or like the severity of the concussions, because you're not going to get a diagnosis usually through any kind of like CT or imaging um, of the brain. After a concussion, usually it's just a bruise that you can't really see unless you were to to do like a dissection and get an autopsy of it. We can't see it with our eyes through any kind of imaging. So there's really no numeric way to really um, quantify the the how the concussion is affecting each player. Um, so if he is doing th- things well and back to his normal baseline, he's not having any symptoms like dizziness, fatigue, um, sensitive to light, uh, not able to perform his daily activities without taking any rest. If he's back to his baseline, he can start that five day return to play protocol and honestly could be back on Saturday. Um, But just because it was a big hit um, doesn't mean it's any kind of worrisome. If he were to take that five to seven days off to give his brain to have that time to uh, an ability to heal itself before he was able to play on Saturday. Gotcha. Yeah. I think when it comes to Dylan Gabriel, the the weird thing is is that his his football IQ is already so low that it's like I don't understand how you could test for that. Maybe he's got a bump and an increase because of brain swelling or something. Uh, but yeah, so but when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to yeah, maybe maybe he hit his head so hard he's become accurate, and we're waiting on him to get back to where he can't hit within ten yards, and that's how we know he's fine again. Uh, but when it comes to it and not to it, to continue to, to sort of get back to, to reviewing this, this past game, one thing we did see again, talking injuries, no Marcus major who we've talked about is our firm running back number two, but we saw, uh, I think a really, really good performance from our, I, I guess our third string running back or who you would not third string, but who you would call our, our, uh, RB3, I guess, which essentially means the same thing as third string. But uh, And then I think we saw a good running back performance as well from Eric Gray. We just didn't really see that many designed runs. But I, I think when I saw them coming up a lot in the, in the second half, especially when Bevel came in and we started running really heavily on Gray, I was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is working. He's getting like Five, I don't know what his his ending average was. I think it was around five, but he was getting like seven, eight yards of play. And I was like, what, where has this been the entire time? You know, that helps us, like we've talked about with the 
really fast three and outs because we're trying to pass on three downs. And then the defense is back out there. And and I really feel like looking at this game, we're missing a piece, but people stepped in. And obviously that bleeds into the offensive line as well. You can't have good run play without a good play on the run block side by the the offensive line. I, I may have said defensive line there, but I feel like we had good run play. And I feel like had we leaned a little bit more on that from the start of the game, maybe we wouldn't be in as bad of a position as we were in, even if it just came down to us continuing to not score, but at least chewing up game clock. And I think not to jump ahead of ourselves, but I think coming into this Texas game, that might be a blessing in disguise if we have Bevel or someone else starting is that we are most likely going to lean a little bit more heavily on the run. And even if that isn't something that results in scores on every drive, it will at the very least help us with our time of possession gap. Yeah. I think that's fair. And I, I think also we need Marcus major to get healthy. Um, I, I think Javante Barnes obviously did play well, but like having, having major back uh, healthy, I, I, I didn't gray get dinged up. Jameson. Did I miss that? Uh, I, I don't know how much of that was legitimate. Um, who knows, but it was just kind of like, we're down so bad that we were just playing Javante Barnes and Tali Walker. Fair enough. But no, it, we, that, the running game needs to be the kind of focal point of our offense, especially if uh, Gabriel's out. But even if Gabriel's in, I I like it. I like it. But we we need to do something with the pass. We can't go out on Texas on Saturday and just say we're just going to run the ball up the middle and just hope it works. Because I feel like at the beginning of this season, we are frustrated because we were so predictable with our play calls. So it seems like it was first down. We're going to run the ball up the middle. And we're just getting stuck. And now – it's going to be second along and we're playing from behind. I would feel a little bit more comfortable if we're going to be, you know, being a more well-balanced playbook, even if we don't have that much skill at the quarterback position. Uh, it's in, in big rivalry games. You just can't say I'm going to run the ball until it doesn't work no more because it's just not going to work. It just doesn't work like that. Uh, Especially unless, against like, a pretty good you know, Texas D line. Yeah. yeah and especially with our offensive lines, they've gotten better um, throughout the season after this first couple games. I just, I just don't think we can say run the damn ball down their throat whenever. And truly I feel like I haven't seen with my eyes that we're a team that can do that. And theoretically we hope we could, we have the talent that we think we could. I just haven't seen it. So I don't see why we could do it whenever we're now going to be even more one dimensional than we were to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think what I was sort of getting at a little bit more and, and trying to keep it more on on TCU, but I feel like admittedly, and, and we haven't touched on this yet, but the receiver room is the shining star of of the offense for sure. Uh I think. I think they are the the crown jewels, they are the the showpiece of this offense, and that leads us to a situation where I feel like a any reasonable coach is going to say, Hey, even if we have underperforming quarterbacks, uh, you know, let's try to get the ball to our playmakers hands to these, to these receivers. I think the running back depth is uh, again, really good. I think that's what we saw in this with our, our RB three performing as well as he did, even if you can make some, some garbage time or whatever arguments. Uh, but I think we have tremendous depth when it comes to receivers and, and running backs. So I don't think necessarily that we're going to be in a situation where we are presenting a very one dimensional threat to the other team. I think at the start of this game, we presented a very one dimensional 
I think we we showed our cards that we weren't really going to be running. We were just going to try to pass all the time. And I think we presented a very one-dimensional uh, threat against TCU initially when we didn't need to. I know we ran some at the start, but uh, it just I I would like to see like you guys touched on more balance. And if that's a if that's a coaching thing, the coaches are you know just trying to stick with with uh, Gabriel when he's in or, or whatever else. But I think whatever results in us getting more balance. And I know if you go back and look, I think we had what 34 pass attempts, 49 runs. I, I, that's off the top of my head. So somebody can maybe uh, check me on that. 49 run attempts, uh, 32 pass attempts. So I get technically we ran more than, than we passed, but when you look at w- before the game was truly lost and, and out of hand, that was not the, the case. So I really hope, and, and not to dive in uh, to Texas preview that, that we're going to get into, I guess, on a later pod, but I, the receivers, I think, to, to wrap it back to TCU, I think they were doing their job. I think Mims was targeted a lot outside of when he should have been, just sort of Gabriel trying to force plays uh, when, when he shouldn't have been. Uh, the Mims fumble is, I don't really know. I, I, I'm torn on how to feel about that. Obviously, you never want to say that's, that's okay, but it's sometimes it's, you just, especially as a receiver, you just get hit at at the perfect moment where it's just enough to be ruled a catch, but not enough where you truly have it secured from a big hit. And I think that's what we saw here. Sometimes, you know, you, you get those sort of boom boom plays. Uh, I know that's not usually used in that context, but I think our, our receivers, I think there was some some stellar, yeah, receiver play. Somebody mentioned it in in the comments. Jaleel Farouk again. Excellent, excellent performance. Drake Stoops had an excellent performance in in his typical Drake Stoops way of finding those plays to be the open guy. And then just, again, just like K-State, Drake Stoops wide open, ball not catchable. Uh, Mims, I think, again, had a a really good game. And and you could tell, especially right at the start, when we were getting frantic as, as the game started to slip out of our grasp, we were really just trying to force stuff into Mims when it was not a situation where he... He should have been forced and, and counted on. And I really feel like looking at this TCU game, um, I don't really have a whole lot to criticize on on the receiver side, even though they really didn't get that much play. That's fair. I, I, I think clearly they just were incapable of getting him the ball. Um the execution issues went you know, were not on them. They did they did they did a solid job for what they were given. What do you think, Jameson? Yeah. Um I, I think our wide receiver group is probably our strongest team group on our team right now. Um, assuming Marcus Majors still hurt. Um, did you did you ever hear what that was that he was out was like a knee, lower body? I, with college, it's so hard because they barely release this kind of thing. It's it's very rare you get diagnosis. Sometimes they'll just say lower body or upper body. Um, yeah, I couldn't with tell it being you. So last second and not hearing about it much, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Maybe. We'll get him. I on was Red remembering Rupert, like without him, it's it's the wide receiver group is our best room. Yeah, I was remembering like ankle or some. It wasn't something very significant, but mm-hmm. I think it was just sort of lost. It got lost in the static after uh, the game with everything, all the storylines emerging. It was it was something that I think just was sort of a uh, not even announced until game time. Like it, people started reporting like oh he's not warming up, and then there were obviously way bigger headlines yeah. yeah we we certainly need him back uh i don't want to say desperately because the guys that we have now are performing well 
but it'd be we, nice we, to have. We him need back all the depth. Him. Yeah, we need all the depth that we have uh, there. And at this point, this season is, I think, very quickly approaching. Uh, well, it's already we're already in the this is a rebuilding season, but uh, there's obviously not tanking or, or throwaway seasons. But uh, this is we're, we're reaching the point of the season where in terms of how we're performing, I, I hate to say it this early, but I think we're in desperation mode. And now we're in the mode of like, God, if we could just win two more games, as long as it's Texas and Oklahoma state, that's, I think that's, yeah. that's the mode that, that I'm in mentally now. And it's, it's just one of those, I'm worried we're going to get trucked by Kansas at this point. Uh, but looking forward, we, we certainly need all the depth that, that we can get, but I really think, Again, I, it just keeps coming back to the quarterback play for me. Is <laughs> is again Dylan Gabriel, obviously the best guy on our team as we've seen. But even when he is not pressured, uh, in terms of you know as much pressure as you can have, as or as much lack of pressure as you can have in, in that position. But even when he's not pressured and has a guy wide open, he's still not able to make the throws. And that's doesn't matter how good your receivers are if you cannot get them the ball and that's the unfortunate situation that that we're in uh, yeah right now so yeah it's at this point like just kind of hoping we get to a decent bowl and you know i i think you Cheese know it yeah Cheese it. that's the thing that's the thing this could be our chance to get the cheese it bowl which is our favorite bowl uh and you know we could we finally could get our ou cheese it bowl merch um obviously sucks that it has to happen this way but it could happen and i'm just saying you know we 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 have a little schooner pod nest egg maybe we put all of all of our funds into funding the cheese it bull trip i'm just saying i would love that no but actually really (laughs) we could all wake up feeling the cheesiest it'd be great yeah i would love that we might not be champions but we will be very cheesy all right so everyone um we're probably going to come and in this podcast, but we'll be producing a lot of content this week. Like we do every single week for red river. We'll have a whole red river preview where we'll kind of dive into more of what we should expect from the Sooners on Saturday, as well as kind of dive more into what we've seen from Texas and how we should scheme against them. So be on the lookout for that. We'll probably bring out some more corn dog, um takes like we do every single year and talk about the fletchers and the state fair um so be on the lookout for that and then also um on wednesday we'll have the weekend spread where it'll be the return of boat and blake um the tcu fan that will be giving us hell absolute hell he's gonna riff ram all our corpses on wednesday so take a look at that um whenever we go pick the slate of college football betting picks this week yeah he got another he got, got another field rush on us so uh you know that was fun History repeated itself. So, um, yeah, no, we got a lot of good stuff. So definitely stay tuned. Jameson, uh, if this is pre- do, we, do, we don't want to add a crude and corner to this already depressing episode. I'm well, guessing. I, it's like, like, what do you want me when you say like, obviously <laughs> I, it, it's the, the bag man, it's the bag man came bag man. and showed up and that's just life. Now we can't get mad about it because that's life. The bag, bag man, man is a part man. of football now. And, um, we have tiny little bag men, but Texas A&M got the biggest bags in all of college football, and they obviously changed his mind after his visit last weekend. I'm um, talking about David Hicks. I'll uh, say this: at least, you never, at least, you never know. At least our situation, you know, this is happening in year one of Brent. 
you know, Jimbo out here signing the number one class still can't beat Mike Leach. You know, I don't, I, it could be worse. It could be way worse here, which obviously low standards. Uh, that shouldn't be our standard, but still. All right, y'all. Appreciate y'all for uh, hopping on the show as always. Ty, final, final words. You want to say anything? Yeah, I just, I, I hope that as college football continues to develop in terms of modernizing its rules, I, I hope in the next five days college football develops a, a system for teams to be able to trade people. And speaking of Cheez-Its, uh, hopefully we can get at least one bag of Cheez-Its in exchange for Dylan Gabriel, get him away from this program. Okay. That a nice measured take there. So, oh um, man, anyways. here we go. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> I can see where the season's going and it's turning tie. <laughs> this is going to be a dark, dark season. So, all right, y'all. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see y'all next time as we uh, break down OU Texas. Got a lot of stuff this week. Have a good one. Boomer Sooner, everyone. <laughs>